Well, it was a busy summer of soccer, which we've tried our best to keep you updated with here on the Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast. But one story that I thought fell way under the radar this summer and into the early fall was the U.S. Open Cup underdog run of Sacramento Republic FC, the USL team that made it all the way to the U.S. Open Cup final and just fell 3-0 in the final to Orlando City of the MLS on Wednesday. What a great story to follow. What a fun story to follow. I watched their last couple games in the U.S. Open Cup, and it's sort of a unique thing. It's almost like a underdog Cinderella making a run in the NCAA basketball tournament, but the U.S. Open Cup, you throw all the teams in the United States together. Amateur teams can play their way into this. Lower division teams can play their way deep into this tournament, and Sacramento Republic Nearly pulled off the run of a lifetime. So that's what we're talking about today on Soccer and Snow and Smoke. I am Andrew Houghton, presenting Soccer and Snow and Smoke here, the new soccer podcast from ESPN Missoula. Soccer and Snow and Smoke is brought to you by Blackfoot Communications, Cami Taphouse and Coffee, and Zootown Sports Cards. And joining me to talk a little bit about Sacramento Republic FC's run to the U.S. Open Cup final, it's our friend and colleague Cameron Salerno from down in Sacramento at the Sacramento Bee a guy who I have gotten to know on the internet a little bit because he covers Sac State football and UC Davis football actually is down there as well. So a couple of our partners in the Big Sky Conference. But he also got a little bit up close and personal with this Sacramento Republic FC run. Cameron, thanks so much for taking the time today. Andrew, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, like you said, I think you made a great comparison. It kind of was like that Cinderella March Madness run and how cool, it was so cool to experience. I mean, as someone who's grown up in Sacramento my entire life, I mean, I, I haven't really been able to see the Kings be good. I mean, when they were really good, I was, I was like two years old. So I don't remember any of that, unfortunately, but I mean, I got to be at the game when they played sporting Kansas city and it was one of the best atmospheres I've ever been to. I mean, I would say it's probably second to the 49ers games I covered, but I mean, just the, you could feel the, the electricity in the air. I mean, how cool was that? Just, I mean, I mean, you probably got to watch the game but on TV, but it was so much different in person. I mean, you could just feel the crowd. I mean, it was the last uh, the last 30 or so minutes when they went to overtime in the last few minutes of, um, of uh, regular time. I mean, it was just electric. I mean, everyone was on their seat or on their feet, and everyone was nervous. So I think the coolest moment was when – Danny uh, Vitello saved the PK and everyone went crazy. And then they called it off and they said he went over the line, but he ended up saving the um, PK uh, four or two or three shots later. Um, Graham, Graham Zuzi, who's a former U S national team player. And I mean, Oh my goodness. I mean, when he saved that shot, everyone lost their minds. And then just the, how, how everything played out with Rodrigo Lopez, who's, who's the most notable player in club history. I mean, he, he was the first player they ever got in 2014 when they became a USL team. For him to hit the PK was just magical. And I, I know they fell to Orlando, but they played him very tough the first 70 minutes and had two mistakes, and, I mean, that cost them multiple. Yeah, let's put this run in a little bit of context here. The U.S. Open Cup, as the, as the name implies, is an open competition. Any, any team in the United States can enter this competition, and it's it's normally dominated by MLS teams. MLS teams have won the U.S. Open Cup, I believe, every year except one since the MLS became a thing. 
But you have teams from all over the country, from all the lower divisions, who can play their way into the U.S. Open Cup. And if you keep winning, you're going to be playing against a, a lot of MLS teams as you get further into the tournament. And so MLS, the top league, top soccer league in the United States, and then the USL is sort of the league underneath that, and that's where Sacramento Republic plays. And that's sort of what the context is. They had a a good run. I mean, early in the U.S. Open Cup, lower division teams are playing other lower division teams. But once Sacramento got to the round of 16, it was all MLS teams. I believe they beat San Jose Earthquakes 2-0, beat the Galaxy 2-1 in the quarterfinals, and then that great game that went to penalties against Sporting Kansas City in the semifinals, which you're talking about, which Sacramento Republic won on penalties, which was one of the the better games that I've seen this year, maybe the best game that I've seen this year, and that was in Sacramento. Just how big of an event was that in the city? Well, what was really cool is the California State Fair was going on. Which, for people who are unfamiliar, uh, they play at Cal Expo, where that's where the state fair is held every year. And so the backdrop of the state fair while the game was going on, I mean, you could see just all the rides in the background, and it was packed. I mean, it took me, like, probably 20 or 30 minutes to actually even get into the stadium. And, I mean, it normally takes me, like, five minutes. So there's some context there. But, I mean, everyone obviously wasn't there for the Sac Republic game, but you could just feel how electric the crowd was. And what I thought was cool, too, because I was sitting at the very top of the stadium uh, on the corner – the corner closest to where the state fair is and you could see people kind of start to crowd like the fence when when the game got closer and word spread that it was going to penalty kicks and just when they when they advanced I mean the roar of the crowd was incredible so yeah it was a huge event in Sacramento it's probably the second coolest event in game I've ever covered um the first would be the 49ers playoff run but uh I think those are apples and oranges but I mean just in Sacramento in general it, it was one of the biggest wins in Sacramento sports history Yeah, very cool. And just to put into context how big of a win that was, I mentioned only one non-MLS team has won the U.S. Open Cup. That was the Rochester Rhinos in 1999 when they beat the Colorado Rapids. The last non-MLS team to even make the U.S. Open Cup final, which is what Sacramento Republic did when they beat Sporting Kansas City that night, was Charleston Battery in 2008. I believe it's only happened three times that a non-MLS team has made the final since the MLS was founded, and that was Rochester in 1996, Rochester in 1999 when they won, and then Charleston Battery in 2008 when they lost the final 2-1 to one to D.C. United. So a real, I, not even once in a decade, it's, it's only happened a couple times in history here. Cameron, tell me a little bit more about Sacramento Republic FC, and you mentioned they haven't even been in USL for that long either. Right. They they were founded in 2014, and until last year, they were a consistent playoff team. I mean, they made the playoffs every single season um, until last year, and then they kind of retooled the roster and, and kind of did a, a rebuild in a sense. I mean, they got rid of, like, a lot of their players that had been around for a few years. And uh, just for people familiar, like, I started covering the team and helping out during the pandemic season where – it was shortened to 16 games and there was probably a total of 20 people inside the stadium, not including players. I mean, just team personnel and media. And I thought what was really cool about covering the team back then is, I mean, like I said, no one was there and 
you got to go right up on the field as far as like you you sat right on the field so you could hear what everyone was saying and all all the games were intense and what was cool too is I mean just how the luck of the draw Sacramento ended up in a really favorable group and they had um, they were in Reno with Reno 1868 who has since folded and that was their huge rival and Portland Timbers too and um, uh, I believe it was Seattle Sounders like under other club or USL clubs so really favorable schedule and they lost to Phoenix rising that year um, on a handball, which was really controversial. Uh, it was, it was late in the game, late in uh, overtime and a ball was apparently punched in. Like uh, it, it came into the box and the guy punched it in with his left uh, hand. And that's how Sacramento season ended 2020. But yeah, I mean, Zachary Republic has been a pretty big deal here. It, it's, it's risen in popularity popularity for sure i know there's a huge push to go to mls and it happened and it didn't and i mean i don't know it just it's it's tough because a lot of people were in favor of it and then there's a lot of people who kind of like the lower division soccer scene where you know it's not as competitive and i know a lot of people got upset at me for my tweet saying Sacramento deserved an mls team because they said it should be uh regulation kind of like how um other countries do it where I mean, you can get promoted or regulated. And, I mean, it's a good point because look at what Sac Republic did. They they took out three MLS teams in Los Angeles and, and sporting Kansas City and San Jose. I mean, the talent gap is interesting because, I mean, people were trying to put it in, like, uh, like other sports terms who don't really follow, like, soccer. And it would be like if the Stockton Kings, who, who are the King G League affiliate, went out and beat, like, the Toronto Raptors and – and not the Warriors, like stuff like that. I mean, I know it's not, it's apples oranges, like I said, but just to put in context how big of a deal this was, I mean, it was a pretty big deal. Yeah, that's right. And that's the other fun part about this run is, is sort of that context. MLS has been expanding a lot in recent years. We've seen teams like Austin came into the league, I think, last year. Cincinnati's only been around for a couple of years. Charlotte FC joining the league to play this year. I mean, MLS has made no secret of the fact that they want to continue to expand. And for a long time, I think Sacramento Republic FC was sort of one of those teams that was on the block, that was on the line to get an MLS slot, and that deal sort of fell apart. So you had sort of that very recent context sort of playing into this team's run as they were sort of shut out of getting an MLS spot. They were taking on and beating all of these MLS teams. Right, and I would say this. Ron Burkle is probably public enemy number one in, in Sacramento. I mean, he was the person who really – it was his fault the deal came to a close. And Sacramento did have an MLS team. And on top of that, they had an NWSL team lined up as well. And so to have two professional teams, I mean, now to just think about the impact on the, on the city, I mean, not just from a, a soccer perspective, but I'm talking financially as well, I mean – where they would have built the stadium in the rail yards, which I know they still probably plan to build a stadium because you can't stay at Cal Expo forever. But, I mean, just how much of an impact financially would have helped Sacramento? I mean, there's no telling. It would have made millions and millions. And just kind of how the Kings did. I mean, when the Kings moved from the Thomas, which is just outside of Sacramento, to downtown Sacramento, I mean, it helped revitalize the downtown area. I mean, Obviously, a bunch of restaurants were built and shops. And when you go to an NBA game or if you travel, because a lot of people do, 
they spend money. They go to hotels. They go to restaurants. So Sacramento as a city was making a lot of money, and they still do off the king just because of just stuff like that. And so I think if you would have had a professional women's and men's team, I mean, it would have helped out the city a ton. So it, it was devastating that the deal fell apart. I mean, could it still happen? I don't know. I mean, it's possible, but I think it's going to be hard until they find someone who has a lot of money and who is willing to back it. Well, that's the big question. I don't think that the door is completely shut on Sacramento getting an MLS team either. As I mentioned, MLS is expanding at a really rapid pace right now. So if the right deal, if the right backing, if the right stadium deal was a part of it, I I do think it's still a possibility. But it was just interesting to watch the team that's for now been sort of consigned to USL make that big run. Cameron, I didn't even ask you off the top. Are you a big soccer guy? I mean, have you followed the sport a lot? Honestly, not a ton. I, I mean, I started really watching soccer, like, admittedly during 2014 when the World Cup was going on. Like, I'm not a huge, like, MLS or, like, European soccer fan. Like, I've, I've tried to get in Premier League, but, I mean, it's, it's hard. Like, I can't find a team, like, and, like, to get into. I mean, obviously, I'm a huge American sports fan, you know, with, like, the NBA and the NFL and MLB, like, the sports I kind of cover. And then, obviously, college football is huge around here, too. But, I mean, I really started watching 2014 during the World Cup. I mean, Tim Howard, I mean, that was – I love watching him play. And then all those guys. I mean, it was just, it was fun to watch. But I, I've definitely gotten into the U.S. men's national team a lot more over the years. Uh, and, like, obviously, I'm, I'm stoked for this fall. I mean, I, I, re- I wish the tournament would have happened this summer just because, you know, I think you know this better than anyone, too. Like, during the summer, like, really nothing's going on. I mean – you have, I mean, prep sports are kind of at a, at a halt and, and college football is ramping up, but there's not really anything going on competition-wise. So to have the World Cup during the summer, that would have been awesome. And it, it was kind of a bummer that, I mean, just with circumstances I know in, in Qatar, it's it's extremely hot. And so it wouldn't have been feasible to play during the summer months. But yeah, I'm, I'm stoked for this fall. I, I don't know how good the U.S. men's national team is going to do. They're in a, they're in a tough group. But, yeah, I'm excited to watch for sure. And you'll, you'll definitely catch me at some watch parties in Sacramento, Washington, and supporting the team. And now for a quick word about our great sponsors. Soccer and Snow and Smoke is brought to you in part by Blackfoot Communications. Whatever your internet or communications needs, whether that's business or personal, get in touch with Blackfoot Communications, a great supporter of all the things that we do here at ESPN Missoula, as well as the digital sponsor of Montana Grizzlies Athletics. Visit www.blackfoot.com for more information. Soccer and Snow and Smoke is also brought to you by the fine folks at Zootown Sports Cards, your hub for all things sports cards and memorabilia collecting in Missoula. They're having their big fall show at the Doubletree downtown this weekend. That's September 17th, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. But just in case you missed that or you're catching this episode of Soccer and Snow and Smoke, after that show has already passed, they've got a great brick-and-mortar location as well at 2100 Stevens Avenue in the Stevens Center. Plenty of soccer cards to pick up at Zootown Sports Cards, including some Topps Bundesliga cards that will feature on the next Soccer Card Spotlight. Visit them again, 2100 Stevens Avenue in the Stevens Center, or online at ZootownSportsCards.com. And finally, Soccer and Snow and Smoke is also brought to you by Camby Tap House and Coffee. 
Can be tap house new to Missoula, but with two great locations in the Garden City already. One in the Sawmill District and the other right there on South Higgins Avenue across from Dornblazer Field, the home of the Montana Grizzlies soccer team. I tell you, I've been doing some play-by-play and color commentary for the Montana Grizzlies soccer team in the last couple weeks, and that takes a lot out of you. I know you're just standing up in the press box speaking into a microphone. But you got to be switched on and focused for two full hours. And at the end of those games, I just want to relax, sit down, drink a beer. I head right across the street to Camby South Higgins location, plop myself down at the bar, peruse their great list of beers on tap, and just enjoy myself. It's a great spot, pregame or postgame, if you're heading over to one of those Montana Grizzlies soccer home games as the Grizz try to defend their Big Sky Conference title this year. That's Camby Tap House and Coffee, along with the South Higgins location. They also have one in the Sawmill District, right across the street from the Missoula Paddlehead Stadium. Just want to thank all of our great sponsors on Soccer and Snow and Smoke, Blackfoot Communications, Zootown Sports Cards, and Camby Tap House and Coffee. Now back to Soccer and Snow and Smoke with Cameron Salerno. Cameron Salerno, who's a reporter for the Sacramento Bee, and I believe doing some work for the AP up there now as well. But he's joining us for Soccer and Snow and Smoke because Cameron had a front row seat figuratively to Sacramento Republic's run to the U.S. Open Cup final, a great Cinderella sort of story in American soccer this year that only ended on Wednesday when Sacramento Republic FC dropped a 3-0 game to Orlando City in the final of the U.S. Open Cup. I believe that's Orlando City's first trophy since they moved up yep. to MLS. So good for the Lions. And Cameron, what do you and think about that final game? Because, like you said, it was very close. It was nothing, nothing at halftime. And that's sort of the way that Sacramento Republic or, or any of the lower league teams have to play. You know, you just try to keep it close. You try to keep the scoring down, and then you try to steal a goal or two. And they were doing that. I thought Orlando City didn't really create that many scoring opportunities in the first half. And Sacramento Republic had a couple of their own, but it sort of fell apart for them in the last 20 minutes of the game. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, I, I feel like how long it was in between goals, but it was it was probably a span of about two or three minutes where, I mean, a mistake happens, goal scored, and then a ball got shot in the box and, you know, a foul happened and then they scored another goal and a PK. So yeah, they kind of fell apart in the final, you know. 20 minutes, but I honestly thought they were going to win just because of the way they played sporting Kansas city. They played in the kind of the same way. And I think you're exactly right. When you, when you play up against uh, a team who's heavily favored, I mean, you kind of have to, you know, you can't really play too aggressive. You kind of play a little conservative in, in the sense that you can't really take a lot more chances than you're accustomed to because I mean, you have a quick goal and it's game over like that. So that's what kind of happened. And, yeah, it was unfortunate to see it end like that. But, I mean, in in perspective, I mean, it's cool to look back on and say, hey, this team still made this run. And I I don't think a lot of people in Sacramento were upset at the result. Just, I mean, they won Sacramento to win, don't get me wrong. But everyone just kind of knew that Sacramento Public really wasn't supposed to be here. So for them to make this magical Cinderella run – it, it was pretty cool, and it's kind of the same thing like, you know, March Madness Cinderella runs. I mean, no one expects teams to go to the championship even if they are a huge underdog and they're pulling up upsets, upsets like St. Peter's did. I mean, it, it was fun to watch because, I mean, the hype and, and builds every single game they play. I mean, no one expected them to beat Kentucky, and, and they beat them, and then they kept advancing on, and I think it was the same with Sac Republic. Everyone was kind of like, you know, like when they first beat – 
uh, San Jose. I, I was flying back from Hawaii that day, so I was watching on the plane. And when they won 2 nothing, it was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Like, they beat an MLS team. And then they beat LA Galaxy. I was like, okay, like, this is this is really good. And then they beat Sporting Kansas City. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, so I, I don't think people really were upset. I mean, like I said, people wanted to see Sarah Cobble win. But and at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's still a really cool run by them. No, I think that's exactly right. And it sort of speaks to the magic of the single elimination tournament because you can get those results. I mean, Sacramento Republic FC, and I want to be clear here, this is not, you know, Sacramento Republic FC is a very good team and has some very, very good players. I mean, Sacramento Republic FC has a lot of guys who have played in MLS. Douglas Martinez, who started a lot of those games at Stryker, played for Real Salt Lake for a long time. Luis Felipe in midfield played for San Jose Earthquakes for a couple years. I remember uh, the right back Jack Gurr. He was with Atlanta for a little while. I mean, they had guys like Roro Lopez, who was sort of the talisman of this team, the 36-year-old midfielder. He had played for Chivas USA in MLS. He had played in Liga MX. Keko, another of the midfielders, he started his career, his first professional game was for Atletico Madrid, which is one of the better teams in Europe because he came up through their academy. They had really good players, and it wasn't like they were just pulling smash-and-grab tactics here. I thought, actually, that Sacramento Republic was able to play with the ball in a lot of these games, really surprisingly, and I liked the way that they did it. But the margin for error is just so thin when you're a team like that and you do have a talent deficiency, and that's sort of the way it happened in those final minutes against Orlando. You can't make mistakes, but what killed Sacramento Republic FC was one bad giveaway at the back that leads to the first goal, and then a counterattack that leads to the penalty for the second goal, and at that point you're trying to throw everything at it, and Orlando hit another counterattack for the third goal. But Cameron, just what did you think about the way that they played, especially in this run? And I know they're not having a great season actually in the USL, but what do you think about the team and some of the players? I mean, that's why I was so not surprised, but I mean, it's not like they're the best team in the USL. Like, I, I watched them play, um, I think it was San Antonio, where I think San Antonio's either still in first place or they're at least at first place at the time when I watched, and they had their best game of the season. And it really surprised me because, I mean, the running joke was, like, they can defend. Like, they're, they have a really good back line. But, I mean, they couldn't score for anything. They couldn't score if the goal was the entire field. Like, they, that was, like, kind of their problem in 2020. Like, their defense was phenomenal, but they just couldn't score. And that's why, I mean, they, the way that they lost to Orlando was kind of similar to when they played Phoenix in the playoffs in 2020. I mean, I know it's a different score. Orlando won 3 nothing, and Sacramento only lost one nothing to Phoenix. But – it just felt like Sacramento was playing for PKs and not to win the game in some sense. And I feel like that's kind of how Sac Republic was somewhat playing this game. I mean, they didn't want to make any mistakes and they just, they didn't want um, them, you know, to lose it that way. But I mean, like I said, like they made a mistake, which led to a goal and then another mistake that led to another goal. And then at that point, you kind of knew it was over. But, yeah, I would say just I think Rodrigo Lopez coming back to Sacramento and, and being a part of the club is huge because, I mean, his leadership is phenomenal. And he's just a really nice player. But, I mean, just all the guys they've lost, I mean, if, I think if you look at their roster, I think they only have two or three guys left that were on that team in 2020 that I covered. So they've really 
retooled the entire roster. And it, it's been pretty interesting. I, I thought they had a really good team in 2020, but I think they realized that the, with the guys they have, they probably couldn't win a championship, at least in the USL. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I think just from watching them and the way they played in the U.S. Open Cup, I think their roster is probably a little bit more tailored towards games like that, where they're playing a little bit against the ball and trying to steal goals on the counter. I mean, they've got some really fast guys up top, like the aforementioned Douglas Martinez, Malik Foster, who's a Jamaican international, who I was my favorite player of the run. And then they also have midfielders who aren't afraid to get on the ball and make quick passes sort of when they get that space in midfield because the forwards are stretching out and pushing back the opposing team's back line. So I think that that was, you know, a little bit more suited to sort of playing that kind of smash and grab soccer rather than, you know, maybe teams that they're a little bit more close on talent with. In the USL, you mentioned Rodrigo Lopez, and I'll just run through the story really quickly because this is a, a, a great story. Rodrigo Roro Lopez... He was Sacramento Republic's first ever signing before they even started playing in 2014. They signed him actually in 2013. This was when he was already getting up there in age. He played for Chivas USA, started his professional career in 2005 with Chivas USA, played three seasons there. He's bounced around some of the other lower leagues in the United States, also in Mexico, as well as some time in Liga MX, which is the top Mexican league. Played for Sacramento Republic on their first teams, left the team, Came back in 2020, he was 36 this year, tied for the U.S. Open Cup's leading scorer with four goals across Sacramento Republic's run. What a great story, right? Yeah, I just want to talk about Malik Foster's Paneka penalty kick. That was one of the most electric moments I've ever seen. Because from my point of view, like I was really far away from the field, and so I couldn't really see it. And I honestly didn't know what he was doing at first because, I mean, I was so far away. But it just kind of lofted up there. But then I, you saw the replay and just w- what he did. And his uh, his backflip after was just electric. I mean, he was kind of mocking um, the guy who – I forget his name off the top of my head, but he's the one who missed the PK. And then it was an infraction, and he got to take the kick in and made it, and then he did a backflip. So he was kind of mocking him. But, yeah, I just had to add that real quick. But, yeah, Rodrigo Lopez has an incredible story, like you said. I mean, he's really – I mean, I didn't think he'd be back. I know they parted ways with him after the 2020 season. I thought it'd be the end of him. He went to go play, uh, um, and I believe it was what's the USL team off the top of my head? Rio Van or Valley? I, I yeah, Rio Grande Valley. Yep, yep. So he played there, and then he came back to Sacramento. I, I honestly didn't expect that to happen, but. I mean, his leadership is, I mean, no matter who he is and or how much he plays, I mean, his leadership is second to none. So it was cool to see him back, but obviously he's made huge contributions and um, it's really cool to see for sure. Yeah, and the Malik Foster penalty, which I'm, I'm glad we got to it because if you've seen a moment from the Sacramento Republic FC run this summer, that was probably it. And that was in the semifinal against Sporting Kansas City. They go to extra time tied 0-0. They go to penalties tied 0-0, and penalty shootouts are where you want to get it to if you're an underdog in a game like this because penalty shootouts are as random as they can be. And this is what Cameron was sort of mentioning. William Agata for Sporting Kansas City took a poor penalty, saved by Danny Vidiello, but Danny Vidiello, Sacramento Republic FC's goalkeeper, was ruled to have come off his line before he hit it. So William Agata gets another chance, scores it, 
does a backflip, which is sort of a crazy and, and a little bit cocky thing to do after you've been bailed out by the referee because you missed your first penalty. Malik Foster right. steps up, and as I mentioned, Jamaican international, I think a really, really good player, really fast, good dribbler up top, steps up, just lofts this beautiful panenka over Sporting Kansas City's goalkeeper and reacts with a backflip of his own, and then the Steph Curry put them to sleep celebration. What a moment, and I was screaming at my television when I was watching that. I can only imagine what it would have been like to be there. I mean, I, I don't want to cuss on this podcast, but I was like, there's no way he just did that. Like, I mean, after after when I, I saw, like, the replay, because, I mean, like I said, it's hard to see from so far away of kind of what happened, but I saw his backflip, but I didn't see the Steph, Steph celebration until, like, I saw in the replay, like you said, and, I mean, wow. I mean, it was just an electric moment. Everyone was going crazy because, I mean, the penalty kick got the fans on their feet, but then to see the backflip, which was obviously a mock of, of one of the sporting Kansas City players, I mean, that's when I think everyone got into it. And I was like, okay, I think this this uh, this this team could win right now. But, I mean, you felt it. I, I would say uh, Sacramento's goalkeeper reminded me a lot of Tim Howard in, in 2014 for the U.S. men's national team. Just, I mean, he was making – so many great saves. I mean, even in, in regulation, there were so many balls that came into the box that, that should have been a goal, and, I mean, he saved it. I mean, I, I don't know how many saves he finished with that game, but it was a lot, and he just had some incredible moments. And it kind of goes back to, you know, like my, my soccer age as far as, like, how long I've been watching. But, I mean, Tim Howard was probably the first person I watched, like, when I when I was um, watching the U.S. men's national team. So he reminded me a lot of him just in that game and just the entire playoff run. Yeah, and that's the confidence that you've got to have if you're you know, in that situation as an underdog. You don't want to be unrealistic about the situation, but you have to believe that you can go out there and, and go toe-to-toe with these teams and win. And yeah, Danny Vitiello sort of wrapped up that penalty shootout, tied 4-4 going into the last round of penalty kicks. Saves from Graham Zussi, who, as you mentioned, former longtime United States men's national team international. And then Rodrigo Lopez, who we've also talked about, puts away the clinching penalty. Just incredible scenes. One of the high, high sporting moments that I've watched this year. Cameron, anything else that you wanted to add about this team, this run, the process, and the, the feeling of being there? Yeah, I would just add, like, there's moments in life that you just kind of sit back. I mean, I... I I got home super late that night because the traffic getting out of there was, was, was crazy. But, I mean, when I got home, I wrote my story, and then I kind of just reflected, and I'm just like, just one of those moments as a sports journalist or a writer where you're just like, wow, I just witnessed that. And, I mean, I, I watched the replay. I rewatched the game with my parents, and it, it was just so cool to look back on. And it, it's something I'll never forget, too, because just being a part of that, I mean, it's funny, the story behind it is, I wasn't even supposed to go to that game, but uh, one of my coworkers, um, he was dealing with something, and so he's like, hey, can you go for me? And we had we had four people from the B there, but I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Because I, I wanted to go. And just the sometimes life, there's in life, stuff just works out like that. And so being a part of it was just amazing, and it's something I won't forget for sure. Yeah, and especially that penalty shootout against Sporting Kansas City. I've I've brought up the comparison before, but I really think that the closest thing in sports is watching an underdog in the NCAA tournament and and going into a penalty shootout. It's like watching an underdog hit a buzzer beater in the NCAA tournament. Definitely one of those special moments that doesn't come around 
very often. Cameron Salerno of the Sacramento Bee joining us on Soccer and Snow and Smoke to share his recollection of Sacramento Republic FC's wild run to the United States Open Cup final that just came to an end on Wednesday with a 3-0 loss to Orlando City in that final. Cameron, man, thank you so much for your time. I know you've got some high school football to cover tonight in Sacramento, so I appreciate you taking the time, and I appreciate you sharing your insight and sharing your memories. Absolutely, Andrew. Thanks so much for having me on. It's, it's a pleasure for sure. And I would just say Sacramento is a good sports town. I know people, you know, the people who haven't been there might not realize it, but it's uh, definitely a cool uh, town to be a part of for sure. And there, there's a lot of passionate fans here, and, and people, Sacramento has a huge fan support.